Hello, and welcome to Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 40, The Great Buck Howard from 2008. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, all I can do is apologize. Not that this is bad. Tom Hanks is like fourth or fifth build in this movie. And I was like, oh, he's probably in, like, he's not the star, but he's probably in some, I thought for a moment that this was a movie he directed. Neither of those are true. He's in two scenes. I mean, I think it makes sense that he's fourth or fifth build because like, there's not that many people you put above him, but he's barely in this movie. I think this is going to be a radically short episode. He could have played Buck Howard. That would have been interesting. But look, you got him, you got Colin, you got Malkovich, you got Ricky Jay, and you got Emily Blunt and brief appearance by Sirius actor turned comedic actor turned serious actor once again adam scott so like (laughs) there's not a lot of people here in the first place so like yeah i want you know fourth on the call sheet at least if we have to do a movie that he's not really in and nobody we don't have to nobody's making us but if we're gonna do a movie that he's not really in doing one that stars his son where he plays father to his son it makes sense yeah oh absolutely like that is the deciding denominator right there you know if he wasn't i feel like if he wasn't playing father and son in this movie there's really it could have just been like a clip show kind of situation or something but i think that extra thing like you know gives it's a little valid you know and thankfully it's not the worst movie it's just like incredibly indie for a certain time that it was made but it's like kind of an interesting story and colin's fine in it i like him in it and before we get to the plot summary and our favorite and least favorite moments i was saying to you i don't know why i saw this movie before because i think i watched it on a plane but maybe not Maybe I rented it from the library because there was a stretch during college and after college where like I was still living in my parents' house, their library, their local library, you could rent like five or 10 DVDs at a time. And so I would just go there and just rent as many as I could and then watch them all over like four or five days and bring them back, right? And just do another one. So it might've been that. I don't know. I never before the podcast went on a Tom Hanks kick. I don't think I went on a John Malkovich kick. I don't think I knew who Emily Blunt was back then. It's not like I went on a magic kick. Like, I don't know why. Nobody (laughs) talks about this movie nobody that I follow on Letterboxd has seen this movie. It's not a very popular movie. I don't know why I've seen it, but now I've seen it twice. <laughs> That's amazing to me. I can't believe it. So, like, this was 2008, and I remember there sort of being, like, a magic movie sort of run during that time, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, this is after The Prestige and everything like that, but there was, like, a Steve Carell magic movie, I feel like, came out around that time. It was more of, like, a comedy. I never heard of this movie before. Once I knew Malkovich was in it, I thought it was the movie where he impersonates Stanley Kubrick, but I don't even think that's a Malkovich movie. I think I'm getting all <laughs> kinds of wires crossed here. So Joey, like, no problem never remembering, you know, when and where you saw this. Like, I, I'm getting this confused with multiple movies without even having seen it. It wasn't off to a good start. For everybody who's out there who doesn't know what this movie's about, because like we said, nobody really knows about this movie, please give a quick plot summary of what The Great Buck Howard is about. Absolutely. So Tom Hanks plays Mr. Gable, Colin Hanks' is dad, and Colin Hanks plays Troy, and he is a law school dropout who's starts traveling the country as the personal assistant to the great Buck Howard, played by John Malkovich. He's a mentalist slash magician. He's sort of this throwback to another era. He's been on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson over 60 times. 61 times he keeps saying it 61 times so like he's from a whole different generation and he's definitely been sort of left behind but he keeps on plugging and thanks to troy played by colin hanks they get like a bit of a following there's an incident where buck gets his 
final 15 minutes of fame and he becomes hot and hip again and that lands him uh, a show in Vegas and then Troy leaves his company and goes out on his own and becomes a successful writer thanks to the Emily Blunt character whom he befriended earlier in the film and then it ends with Troy finding Buck out on the road again on his own uh, doing it all over again and he says that's what he really loves about it and Troy goes to the final show and you know may have just finally witnessed a little bit of actual magic along the way. He makes a deal with Hanks, his dad, that he'll give it a shot, and if he doesn't get a job soon, that he will go indeed back to law school and uh, be what his father wants. But Hanks gives him his blessing to go on his way. The least believable part about this movie is that in the movie, Colin Hanks just wants to be all different things. He's like, I don't know what I want to be, but his dad always wanted to be a lawyer. And at one point, he was like, I even wanted to be an astronaut. I'm like, there's no way Tom Hanks, the Tom Hanks we know, would say no to having another astronaut. Like, <laughs> this man loves music, and he loves space. And those are the two things he loves above all else. And if his son wanted to be an astronaut, I feel like, by all means, son, be an astronaut. But no, it has to be a lawyer. So like, right off the bat, I'm like, this is not a believable movie. No, not really. I'm trying to even figure out when this movie takes place is it 2008 in the movie even i imagine so okay it was hard to tell i wasn't sure if like it took place in the 90s if this guy was like supposed to still be relevant and all this because they mentioned entertainment weekly a lot they show access hollywood the show or stuff and i don't even know if are those things still around? I, I don't well, they show Conan, they show The Daily Show, they show Regis and Kelly, they show... They definitely date it to a certain period, right? That's what's so weird about it, is it already felt like a period piece to me, like, and it's only, like, 12 years ago. Wait, because none of those shows are on anymore, right? Like, the whole, <laughs> all those shows that he, like, does the circuit of, like, Jay Leno doesn't have a show, that Conan show doesn't exist, Jon Stewart's left The Daily Show, it's Michael and Kelly now, or maybe somebody different now, like, Regis is gone. All these people that he does the, the grand media tour, which that might have been one of my favorite things that they got the, they had the connections, whether it's, like, the production studio or just the Hanks connection or something. They had the Gary Coleman connection locked down. I mean, he was, he made a quick <laughs> role of the George Takai cameo. I do wonder if, like, the George Takai was like, because the whole thing, like, he keeps saying, like, I'm friends with George Takai, I'm friends with Sulu, like, all that, like, whatever. And I wonder if he was always the first pick, or if they're like, I'm friends with Christopher Walken, I'm friends with whoever. And they're like, nah, he's not, he's not gonna do this movie. It's like, alright, well, like, who will, uh, we got Takai. It's like, okay, cool. I got Takai. It's just like, you know, it's cool, but like, it, it, there's no purpose to it being him. It could be any, literally any celebrity. Yeah, I actually think my favorite part is how Buck Howard is, like, so out of the loop as far as, like, who's a celebrity these days. Like, maybe part of it is that he's like got his head up his ass so far half the time he constantly mispronounces names of like new celebrities or like doesn't understand like why jerry springer was famous i didn't know he was the mayor of cincinnati oh yeah yeah i remember that being like a big thing when his show first came on the air i i, I totally forgot that but when they mentioned it it was sort of like oh that's it's right crazy. that's right yeah very crazy <laughs> and i was thinking they mentioned keanu they mentioned cincinnati i mean i was getting christmas flashbacks i don't know c-i-n-c-i-n-n-a-t-i cincinnati Natty. Hello, Montez. I don't think she listens to this, but hello, Montez. So is that your favorite part, or what is your favorite part of this movie? I don't think I have, like, a real favorite part. Probably when Emily Blunt shows up. Yeah, that's mine, too, because she's just the best. I missed her credit. She's the best. Yeah, and, like, that was a total surprise. I missed her credit in the opening. I didn't know she was going to be in this, and I was like, oh, look at this. Like, I bet, like, did... Did father and son both get to kiss the same actress? Like, that was a little weird. But once I got over that instinct, I was like, yeah, like, I'm so glad she showed up. She had just, like, extra energy to the whole thing. I, I kind of loved the idea of this mentalist, you know? It's like, I wish this wasn't the movie he was in, this character. But I wish we could almost see this character in his prime. Because I love the whole concept of him. And this kind of character has been around 
forever, like before movies, they would go to like the mentalist and see the shows and all that at Penny Arcade or at Vaudeville Axe and all that kind of stuff. So like that was interesting too, just the whole idea that we're going to follow a mentalist. It seems super antiquated in these modern days and stuff. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I guess like the closest thing to this might be like Man on the Moon, where Jim Carrey plays Andy Kaufman. That's not even the same thing. Like it's close, but it's not, it's the same type of thing, like a dated thing that is still trying to hold on. It's weird. Like I I went and I think they have like a dedication at the end to the amazing Kreskin, right? The guy that this is based on. Yeah. Kreskin. I only knew of him because uh, the movie Ed Wood, which is one of my favorite movies. And there's a a character in there called Criswell, which is also based off of Kreskin. So like there's sort of like... um, I don't know. It's sort of like a thing that's popped up every once in a while that's very sort of rare and stuff, but they're all, they all seem to be based off of the same guy. <laughs> like, if you look at Jeffrey Jones and Ed Wood, he's basically playing Buck Howard. Okay. All right. I like that. I haven't seen Ed Wood since I saw it the first time. That's one I definitely need to see again. I remember really, really liking it. If I have to pick another one, if it's not my favorite... Again, I love... I don't love him as an actor, but I love him in... Maybe I do. I don't know. I feel like I don't love... I don't think that I love Steve Zahn, but, like, he's very good in this, and, like, going back to that thing you do, like, this is another Playtone picture, right? You get the title card at the top of the movie, and getting Steve Zahn back from that, like, I like him in this. He's kind of got that, like, spunky kind of, like, Midwest charm, kind of? I always feel like he's not in enough at all, but when he shows up, he's a complete scene stealer. Like, he's got that amazing mustache. He rarely plays on this stupid like he's great at playing idiots and things like he did that one nature movie I don't have you seen that one with I think Jonah Hill and Justin Long or something and that's pretty hilarious and I just loved him in general and stuff so yeah I, I it's just what's interesting not interesting but what's kind of weird about his character is like he's in and out of the movie so quick it feels like a guy who's gonna stick around for the rest of the film same with Adam Scott right like I'm like oh these guys are gonna be in the movie from now on but they only kind of get a sequence or two to shine and then they bow out for the rest of the movie yeah it's it's disappointing i think that's maybe my least favorite part but it's it's not by the movie's fault like the movie wants to tell a story kind of about two people right it's about buck howard and colin hanks or like it's sort of buck howard through the eyes of colin hanks right like it's not even two full people it's kind of like one and a half almost and we get a little bit of input from emily blunt more so than anybody else we get a little bit of tom hanks we get a little bit of steve zahn we get a little bit of adam scott we get a little bit of his like new assistant at the end right his road manager at the end but the movie is very set on telling a story about one man through the eyes of another man who's unfamiliar with him so like we're entering the same point like we don't know him we know about mentalism but we don't know the history there and it's just kind of disappointing that for a movie that's about Buck Howard, I feel like we don't learn anything about Buck Howard. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing too. Like Colin Hanks' character should have been called Buck Howard. Like it's his movie. Like he's the guy we're learning about. He's the one we see sort of like, you know, not that there's much growth and change or whatever, but like I kind of like his story. It's very simplistic, but you're right. We're learning about Buck through his eyes. And if there's one thing's for sure, like he's a completely reliable narrator. So like I've, I believe what I'm seeing in regards to Buck Howard. I just wish that we did get scenes of Malkovich on his own or Malkovich like having more of sort of like a tantrum or something else like more focus probably on the Malkovich character without the lens of the Colin Hanks character. Because like this movie is essentially about a guy having like a midlife or a quarter life crisis not a midlife crisis like a quarter life crisis because he's like he has this existential crisis in the middle of the movie and like that kind of turns Emily Blunt on and like which is kind of weird but like it's just about him it almost feels like that kind of college post-grad where it's like I don't know what to make of the world but putting that story in a movie about a magician is like 
Wait, what? Considering like the, the title of the movie is The Magician and like they have the closing title card that's about like, you know, this guy is based on a real thing and whatever. Just like, you know what it reminded me of? You ever seen, is it My Week with Marilyn? Have you ever seen that one? I know about it. I haven't seen it. So though. I remember seeing that in theaters at the time and going out of there being like, I didn't love it because like there's no Marilyn. She's there, <laughs> but it's mostly like the other guy we're seeing on the set and interacting with Marilyn from time to time. And like, but we're following him back to his house and learning about his friends and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's kind of like just a movie that we're going to get to before too long in this podcast, like A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's like, it's the Mr. Rogers movie. It's like, not really. It's about a journalist who hates his dad, who like comes to terms with it because of Mr. Rogers. Like Mr. Rogers is not like a quarter of that movie. It's like, what is happening? Yeah, it's strange. It's strange. I mean, for my money, I mean, obviously the better Colin Hanks movie, if you want to get acquainted with him, is probably Orange County. That's a really fun movie. He He's really good in that. That's also got Jack Black. But and he's kind of playing the same character where it's like, he kind of knows what what he wants but he's playing like the same kind of guy where it just seems like well I don't I want to try everything kind of guy and uh, I think he plays that pretty well like he's very affable I like Colin Hanks as a presence he reminds me he almost reminds me of young Tom Hanks when they share the screen this is the movie I definitely see the resemblance when they're sharing the screen oh yeah it just sort of like lacked some kind of punch like it feels like this was released on HBO instead of the theater I I know it had a DVD release because I saw it somehow you know 10 years ago I don't know (laughs) it also feels like one of those movies someone one of our teachers would assign to because like the school just had it it's like oh yeah watch that movie as like uh... <laughs> i think the story of colin hanks and i didn't do any real research into him before we did the podcast maybe i could have or should have or who knows but i think his story is very very interesting because obviously you grow up in the shadow of america's dad right like your dad is america's dad and it's like you follow in his footsteps into his career but i think what he's done which is really interesting is that he's become kind of like a multi-hyphenate sort of like he he was just on a podcast I listened to called This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. That show, the two hosts uh, have a guest on every time who brings on an album that they really love, kind of like a, in the, from their formative years, like some album that really means a lot to them. And so he went on there to talk about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. Oh, great. His number one thing in the world, it seems, is music. And he's like so passionate and so knowledgeable about music. And like, if you watch the This Too Shall Pass, like the Rise and Fall of Tower Records, like that documentary that he made, like, yeah, his heart is in music, I think. And like, I think he's a good actor. And I think he's charming and especially if you want like a young Tom Hanks type like it's quite literally Colin Hanks right but he's done this interesting thing in a career where he's doing this and he's good in these things but he's also like for better or worse I can't compete with my dad I don't want to compete with my dad so like I'm gonna do this other thing and he's great like I think he's in like the kind of in the alt comedy scene in LA like he's in that world and like he's just a fascinating guy yeah, like he showed up on Comedy Bang Bang a few times. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I kind of like that. I love that he didn't feel obligated to sort of bombard us with his lineage or anything. You know, he seems like he's been flying under the radar, like intentionally, almost in like that kind of Nick Coppola way, right? Where, I mean, Cage exploded, of course, he became a megastar, but like in the same way where he's like, yes, I'm Tom Hanks' son, but like, I want to make it on my own merit kind of thing. Like, I wasn't even aware 100% back in the day that this was like Hanks' son. I was like, well, he looks a lot like him, but but I'm not, I'm still not like sold on it. So like, I've never really got the sense that, you know, he was trying to like eclipse his father or that he was living in a shadow of any kind like that. So he seems like incredibly super well adjusted for being <laughs> the son of Tom Hanks. But I also got to think like even related to the music, like with Chet and everything in the family too, that makes a lot of sense, right? I wonder if he produced any of Chet's beats or if he like, you know, worked on his albums or if they just growing up as brothers together had like a band or something. Like I'm dying to hear some of those basement tapes. Yeah, him and 
and Chet, you mean? Like, it'd be... Who, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> the Hanks Bros band? <laughs> Look at that Well, thing. now that we know that Rita raps, because Rita rapped in some coronavirus. Remember, she did, like, the whatever... The Naughty by Nature thing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. I don't know if I have anything else. Let me just see if there's any trivia about this. Just... I guess we went over the things we disliked the most, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, there's nothing I truly hated about this movie, either. No, it's fine. Maybe the idea that it's so non-offensive is kind of offensive. Like, it just really doesn't sort of try to shoot for the moon. It's just sort of like, yeah, we know we're getting this out. It's going to be made and like everyone's good in it, but there's there's nothing like super special going on. The comments on Letterboxd, like the people who log this, are so mean to it. They're like, when you wonder if you should even log a movie because it's so insignificant, it's like, fuck right off. Like, who who are you? That's not this movie anyway. That's nowhere near this movie. No, and I do think it's true of this movie, but like every time you see a movie or listen to an album or hear a song or watch a show, like that's someone's favorite whatever. And like there's someone out there who loves this movie. Like I think if you come across this, you could do a lot worse. I don't know that you need to see this movie, but I think it's totally fine. I think everybody's charming and everybody's pleasant in it. Nothing really happens. I also think that there's far more egregious, well off white man struggles with like career choices. Like there's way worse versions of that. Oh, like Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I went to right away. I was like, at least this isn't like a snobby in your face, like elitist kind of, you know, diatribe or anything. <laughs> you know, this guy's making like 600 bucks a week just like being a guy's personal assistant, basically. It's like, that's not glamorous. He's never home. He's on the road all the time. He's in kind of a relationship with Emily Blunt, but she's got a boyfriend. So like, who knows? It's not a great look. You know what the weirdest thing about this is, is, I mean, it is, you know, kind of based on a person, but it's not like based on an event in that person's life. You know, like it's, it felt weird that we weren't watching like based on a true story like it's it's like based on someone's career sure you know it's like an homage to someone's career but it's like an entirely fabricated telling you know so like maybe it would have been more interesting if it was an actual biopic or something you know what i'm saying whereas like that way there'd just be a little more credence to what's happening even if nothing particularly interesting or or exciting is going on at least you could be like well like you know he actually like went through that like that was a real event kind of thing i don't know i think that kind of tanked it a little bit for me and we talked about this on a recent episode sometime I think it all blends together I don't know but we're talking about biopics right oh what's American Made which I don't know if it's out yet or not because we did cruise out of order oh it comes out today it's also out today perfect timing and we were talking about how like movies that span a person's life aren't necessarily as effective as one spanning a specific time. And I think, like, what you're saying, like, if they had spent more time on the time that he couldn't get his money back, like, because he's got this trick, right, where he's like, I can always know, and whether it's a wire or whether he actually has intuition or, as you did in your plot summary, a little bit of magic, like, he always knows where to find the money. Maybe they do, like, the build-up to that, because I don't, like, what's the time span this movie takes place over? Three months? Six months? A year? Yeah, like, a couple weeks, I figured. I have no idea. Right, yeah. He seems to sort of, like, fall into a little bit of extra to help when he gets to the hospital and there's like a whole news story on him and it like accelerates the timeline uh, very much but yeah I mean I agree with you but I would have also loved to have seen like do Buck Howard's knowing it's going to be his last appearance on the Tonight Show like what do you do next kind of and like have it take place like what uh, in the 70s or 80s or something like that's sort of the more thing that I was sort of leaning toward like if it's going to be about Buck like let's see him sort of in his prime because there's also a movie to be told about a magician trying or a mentalist trying to recapture his former glory but like don't frame the story about his new assistant trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing in the world. There's two Tom Hanks scenes in this movie. There's just two conversations between him and Colin. Neither are particularly noteworthy. The top trivia on IMDb is that he and Colin play father-son in this movie. It's like, cool, yeah, we know that. 
the Vegas scene was filmed in Hollywood on the same set that was used for the Palace Hotel ballroom scene in the Blues Brothers, so there's a little bit of movie history there. Sunshine Cleaning, which also starred Emily Blunt and Steve Zahn, also came out this same year, so that's basically all the trivia about this movie. Nothing really exciting. All I really have left to say is that uh, the scenes between Hanks and Hanks, it feels, those are the realest parts. It feels like what Hanks says to his sons where it's like, you know, you need a backup. You got to do this if you want to do that. Like you got, you know, it seemed like we were watching like a behind the scenes, like heart to heart, like that, that came across incredibly real. We can skip the Tom Cruise one for a second. The question does Tom Hanks play America's dad in this movie? I would say yes. Yeah, absolutely. He just wants the best for his son. And not only that, though, it's like he can compromise with his son, right? Like he can understand like, oh, what's best for me is not best for him. And just because I'm not in the cage sense. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, yes. But also just in the sense of like he learns not to control his son's life, right? His son has to make his own mistakes, this and that, all the other things. And by the end, he's like, all right, you go off and like you give it a try. So now the question we skipped, do you think Tom Cruise could have played Colin Hanks's dad in this movie? (laughs) Or if not, what role could he have played? So it would have been fun funny to see him like you know with a like a little bald with the glasses maybe the less grossman look like that's a very sort of dad image right there <laughs> really. yeah i don't know he would have to definitely stand on an apple box or two colin looks pretty tall i, I don't i don't know I, I honestly don't know but i think he could have been in here somewhere or he could have been in here as tom cruise there's so many celebrity cameos it would have been yeah. hilarious if he was just like bumped into tom cruise at like spago or something like that a scene that i really like is when tom arnold is on leno and he bumps buck howard but he like in the back hallway is just like hey man like you signed this for me back in the 70s like I, you mean so much but you have no idea that's the thing you could say he plays himself like just swap out tom arnold for tom cruise just the same name totally different career one married to roseanne one not married to roseanne but you know that that works that's easy easy swap yeah that's exactly what i was thinking cool okay so now the tom hanks awards the best and the worst the woodies best film worst film no no best of the worst most i I wonder okay knowing the categories is there anything that we should nominate this for probably not Best or worst Hank's role, most wasted Hank's performance? Again, no. Like, he serves the story. It's not like we're like, oh, we need more of this character. Exactly. Best ensemble? No. Fight, dance scene, party scene, outfit, wardrobe, death, line, freak out, soundtrack, love story. Best non-Hanks actor, male or female? I think Emily Blunt's good. I think Colin Hanks is good. I mean, even Malkovich, he's good, but, like, no one's really... Malkovich is good, but he's not, like, amazing, right? Like, he's not at the top of his game, it seems. Right, it's not being John Malkovich. It's not... What was that Keanu movie where he... Is that The Dangerous Liaisons? Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. It's not rounders. Like, there's so many better Malkovich things to see. Not that he's, again, not that he's bad. He's good. It's just, if you want to see Malkovich, see something else. So no nominations, which, again, at least I will say that in 10 years when I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw Great Buck Howard twice, at least this time I'll know why I watched it. So, Mike, like I mentioned, today on the network, on Fridays are for fun, the Tom Tom Club, we have American Made coming out because we are doing both Tom podcasts every Friday. So American Made, one of your favorite Tom Cruise movies, came out today. Next week on this very fine feed, Mike, I don't have the needle drop. I'm going to have to send this to you to put it in post. But Do you want me to just do it? Yeah, please. Get ready for an adventure. It's pretty close. I don't think I could ever replicate that line read perfectly. You could just send me the clip. (laughs) Get ready for an adventure.
Get ready for an adventure. It's sing-songy in a way that's not sing-songy. I don't understand how to... It was a total fluke. I was trying to do a terrible line reading and somehow actually succeeded. Get ready for an adventure. Yeah, it was wonderful. But next week on this very feed, Angels and Demons, the second Dan Brown, Robert Langdon adaptation, John Brooks, Jess Collins, Montez, both back to talk about Angels and Demons, the first book in the series, but the second movie in the series. And then on... Oh boy. On Cruise Club next week. Big one. Mission Impossible Fallout. Spoiler, my favorite Tom Cruise movie next Friday on Cruise Club. Get ready for an adventure. Yes, please. Actually, so here, I asked you when we did the American Made episode. You did not have an answer. Today is Friday, June 5th. Two days ago, a third time's a charm came out. (laughs) What is that episode? Do you know now? Yes, I do. That episode is Beverly Hills Cop 3. Cool. I'm actually, I'm joined by my unofficial co-host, Brian High School Slumber Party, and uh, a guest we've had on on here, and he was just on for Polar Express, Dan Hayden joins me for the first time over there as my sort of action movie expert. Very cool. So I've never seen any of those movies. Do I need to see all three? Like, I've heard, I know the first two were good. Is the third one good? Try and take everything into account what we said earlier about trashing movies, and, you know, I really don't like to do it, but the third one is not very good at all, which was a disappointment, especially considering the first two kick major ass. So I should see the first two, but not necessarily the third one. Yeah, only see the third one if you really need to, to, like, listen to our episode or something if you're like a completionist which i know you kind of are so you're gonna watch it anyway. no i used to be and then i was like we, we started putting out too many podcasts like i got through like six movies on hoffman i'm like i can't do this guys i'm so sorry and like they're like why, why would you even try like it's basically like what are you doing so tune in listen to that episode we're not mean but we get on that you're on honest the, we're honest and we get on that movie's case a little bit but it's all in good fun well also today there is a new high speaking of high school slumber party there is a new high school slumber party today there is a new episode of too fast too forever which Friday, June 5th will be Ronin, the Robert De Niro movie, which oh. is not necessarily a car movie from what I understand, because I've never seen it, but there's a car chase that's apparently one of the all-time greats. Let me see if I can look on the calendar. Let's see if we can give a four-episode plug. So we got this episode, we've got American Made, we've got Ronin, and I think it might be a Kate Hudson movie on High School Summer Party. It might be Twilight Eclipse if things stay true, so... Very, very exciting. But for all things, thanks for the memories and all 27 shows on the network, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Check out Cruise Club and Hanks for the Memories every Friday now. We've got a handful more of Cruise Club episodes. we got another 25 or so of this before we go away. So plenty more Hanks for the Memories. Just, you know, plenty to listen to. I hope you're staying safe and socially distanced and, you know, we're reopening and I hope you're safe. That's all I got to say. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manson. And we'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories. I think you've done that.